Hey there, good evening everyone and welcome back to Revolutionary Health. Revolutionary Health is a program of the Counter Narrative Project and you can find us online at thecounternarrative.org where you should go ahead and join our mailing list. You can also find us online at the Counter Narrative Project on Facebook, on Instagram at the Counter Narrative and on Twitter at Building Desire. The mission of the Counter Narrative Project is to build power among Black gay men and to work in coalition and solidarity with all movements committed to racial and social justice. Thank you so much for joining us for tonight's conversation. So, you are here with us on YouTube. Make sure that you go ahead and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, and go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. Let the folks know that you are enjoying the show and that you want to share it with folks because we're going to be having a really important discussion tonight that I'm going to tell you about in a moment. But as you can see on the screen, I have a very special guest and it's going to look weird, right? Because I, the camera is in front of me, but I'm going to be looking up because Michael, you're up there and... I, my name is Johnny Cornegay, Mobilization Director with the Counter Narrative Project, and I'm joined with... Awesome. Thank you so much for joining, Michael. And so, everybody, one of the things that um, the Counter Narrative Project embarked on um, last year with Michael authoring this amazing conversation guide... So one of the things that we recognized um, as we were doing our work around harm reduction is how important it is to have conversations about crystal meth and how crystal meth impacts our community. So the Counter Narrative Project um, did uh, launch Michael's guide, uh, which is called Can We Talk? A Conversation About Crystal Meth, um, A Black Gay Men's Conversation About Crystal Meth, and it is available on the Counter Narrative Project website. I'm going to go ahead and drop the um, link to the guide. It's right there in the chat window. It's also in the description, but you can go ahead to bit.ly forward slash can we talk CNP guide. So please make sure that you go ahead, download the guide, and you can watch the webinar um, because we're going to talk and have a conversation tonight. But there are some really specific technical things in the guide that we talk about in the webinar. So make sure that you go ahead and check it out. So let's jump into the conversation. Um, okay, so Michael, you asked me a question. You asked me a question last year that stopped me in my tracks. I remember I was in my studio and we were talking about harm reduction and we were talking about crystal meth specifically. And you asked me a question. You said, so Johnny, I have a question. Can black people afford harm reduction? And, <laughs> and I was floored and I remember us having this dialogue. So I want to start here at this place. Um, I wanna, I'm going to pose that question back um, to you and let's start there with our conversation.
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, hit mute? No. Um, and you know, and, and there's a question that I think as a community we ask ourselves, like, are we giving people permission? Um, now, harm reduction has an answer for that, which is that people are using anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and that it's not so much as that, you know, like there's the sense that you're kind of um, anointing or blessing their youth. And that's not really what harm reduction says. Harm mm-hmm. reduction says you're meeting the person where they are. If they're going to use anyway, then there might be some ways they can do less harm to their bodies, less harm to their community, less harm to their um, family, friend circle, less harm to their career, um, if they follow certain techniques or strategies or methodologies um, to reduce the impact or the severity of their drug use. And, And I think regardless of how you may feel emotionally or spiritually about people's drug use, um, I think we all want people to engage in less harm. Mm-hmm. I think we all can support that. Yeah. And so it be, if so for me, it becomes like, yes, I recognize that there's a lot of feelings mm-hmm. around use um, in our community, a lot of hurt feelings, um, a lot of fear because of how we're treated by the criminal justice system when we engage in the same practices as white people um, and experience different penalties for those practices. Um, Just like now, we're having a national conversation about letting people, um, police records be cleared for marijuana. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we're doing that is because white people now want to use marijuana without fear of going, uh, experiencing any penalty. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and now, and so now we're, ha- now we're prepared to engage in a dialogue that people, black people have been asking they have for 30 years. Right. So, um, so, th- you know, there's some real reasons behind the, the feelings around harm reduction, but, you know, I, I support it. I think it's, everything is about meeting the person where they are in wherever they are on their journey. And at the end of the day, respecting that that person has agency over their body. Right. They have agency over their lives. And they get to determine, not you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always, you can't want something more for somebody than they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and that may not be ever more true as it is when with drug use. So mm-hmm. how can we better support people in their use in a way that mitigates damage. Absolutely. And 
that's everybody can get with that. Yeah, and one of the things I want to bring back, so one of the things we realized as we were going through is, Michael, some of the um, audio at the beginning of your um at the beginning of your statement didn't come through. So I want to revisit oh, something that you, okay. no, 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 you're absolutely fine. It's been corrected, but I want to revisit something. So, you know, we asked that question about can black folks uh, afford harm reduction? And you were actually telling a story about a brother who was in recovery for 30 years and talked about, um, you know, the differences of what white folks experience. So I want to re, I want you to circle back to that really quickly, because I want to make sure that people, we hammer home that point, um, because I think it's underscored by what you just said. Yeah. So, I mean, the brother had been in recovery for about 30 years um, and his drug of choice was cocaine mm -hmm. when he lost everything he hit rock bottom um and he'd been an advocate for some years um on and and obviously spoke about the gospel of harm reduction as one of the pathways instead of just a pathway to abstinence right um so that was one of the things that he shared and um his attitude about harm reduction privately was that it wasn't something that black people could get away with or mm -hmm. could afford um, because of how the criminal justice system treats us, um, because of our own societal uh, identity issues that we're already dealing with as black people. Mm -hmm. We're already behind so many eight balls. We're already assumed to be criminal. We're already assumed to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And so um, sanctioning drug use, which is how many people see harm reduction, um, as a criticism, uh, is, isn't something that black people as a community can afford to do, mm -hmm. um, it's just thought. Um, but you know, of course, like I said, I've pushed back on that right. with, you know, regardless of how we may feel about someone's use, they're using, right. and, so, <laughs> and, and they stop when they're ready to stop. Right. And so how can we help them? do less harm how can we help them try not to do permanent damage mm -hmm. um if and when the time should come that they are prepared to take a, make a different choice yes and you know one of the things i felt like was so important michael as um you know as underscored in your guide and for everyone who is watching i've gone ahead and i've you know, put the link to the guide um, in our chat window so that folks can go ahead, not only download the guide, but you can watch the webinar associated with um, the guide itself that gives a lot of really important technical information. But one of the things I love about what you did um, in this is you definitely talked about harm reduction and what it is, but also really underscored um, this question of why folks use. And so I want to go into that particular section of the guide and just talk about a few things because I feel like it's really important um, as we kind of do this, right? Like we haven't been given the tools to properly talk about this, right? Like, so when I think back to when I was young and um, of course that was at the height of the crack epidemic, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was a knowledge of folks using, and I'm going to actually bring in, I'm going to bring in some, some comments in a minute. There was knowledge of folks using at that time, but there was also a kind of hush hush. Like we just didn't talk about it. Um, it was something that folks knew. It could be folks, friends, friends of family, family, et cetera. But we just kind of 
brushed it to the side. So I don't think we always have the tools, right? And I think that one of the things, if we think about the why, um, is really important. I want you to talk about that in a second, but first, I am gonna go ahead and say hi to John Jordan and hi to all the folks that are joining us. So I see that Art Jackson is joining us. Uh, Trey Payadu is joining us. We have Jay Bernard who's joining us. And I wanna thank all of you for joining this conversation tonight. If you have comments, if you have questions, um, please go ahead and type those in the chat window. So thank you so much for being here with us for this conversation. Michael, let's talk about the section about the why um, uh, folks use, uh, the, use the, the reason and the rationale section. Um, Johnny, just to um, be clear, you have gone in and out a couple of times, okay. so if hopefully I don't freeze on you. Okay, perfect, <laughs> um, thank you. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm assuming that we, we're now at a point where we're talking about why people are using. Correct. Um, and I think that the first thing is that it feels good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds like crazy to even have to say that out loud, but uh, I think we spend so much time about the the problems associated with drugs, um, and you know, and then there's like our own Judeo-Christian ideas and puritanical beliefs about people being weak and this, that, and the other. Oh, it feels good. There are euphoria and sensations of being powerful and escape from the mundane and ordinary and quote unquote boring. And if you think about how often in your own life somebody's talking about how they're bored mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and looking for some pathway out of boredom, mm -hmm. uh, it's not terribly shocking why people are engaged in any number of uh, drug uses Absolutely. or any other any other, other types of right, um, escapes correct. from um, the everyday um, lives that we have, from food to mm -hmm. cigarettes, alcohol. Um, so yeah, I mean, crystal meth feels good. It, it fills your brain with I mean, dopamine receptors are pop up and come alive, and and uh, you feel good. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, then there's the uh, kind of reputation that crystal meth has, which is accurately earned, which is that it does prolong sexual prowess and performance um, for people who are topping and when they're engaging in anal intercourse. It does decrease sensitivity and improve pain management for people who are bottoming and when they're engaged in that activity. Um, it allows people to have multiple or even concurrent sexual partners for extended periods of time. Um, which is why people have go to sex parties and use crystal meth and chase it with Viagra or Cialis. Um, there's also, we don't really talk enough about this, which is people want to belong to something. The, but please, this is so important because one of the things that you underscored here and talked about on the webinar was that idea of belonging, where people are, look, people, you belong to a particular club, um, so to speak. Um, and that can be, there's yeah. people are looking for something. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, if you think about us as a, as a gay community, um, and I'm old enough to remember before we were, mainstream mm -hmm. <laughs> and um a lot of it was felt very secret society we had our own language we had our own symbol symbols we had our own culture it's not terribly different for people who are part of the crystal meth culture mm -hmm. um they people suddenly have a community that they belong to and invitations to things and events and you know the events may be for sex and drugs but they're events mm -hmm. and you're invited 
um, and you gain community that has insider language and codes of conduct and emojis that you use on apps that don't nobody always understand unless they're part of the play culture or, or even just the phrase party and play. Um, similarly, there's a gym culture that also uses crystal meth and weight reduction and weight management and produce productivity. It also kind of has an insider PMP club gym circuit party kind of dynamic that happens. Um, and when you think about how much people are starving, mm. literally starving long to something, you know, in an age in which most of our connectivity happens through digital media, mm. um, to be able to belong to something in the, in the flesh, um, where touch is involved, where conversation is involved, where intimacy is involved. Um, again, you know, I don't want to sell a crystal meth on people's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, that... but you may want to use. I, I think that we're so used to seeing like the rotten teeth and the callowed skin and all of that and say, oh my God, anybody vain would never want to be on crystal meth. But there are other things, other aspects of that. And with all drugs, people tell themselves, that's not going to be me. I'll be able to manage it. I'll be able to stop it. Oh, oh, look at this guy. He has an amazing body. He has great skin. He has a great face. He was at the party I was at last weekend. If he can do it, I can do it too. You know, not realizing what may be going on with people in their health. Mm. Um, so, you know, so I think it's important for us to realize that because we're quick to pass judgment and, and assume people are dumb and, you know, all kinds of silliness. Um, people, everybody has their drug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I want to talk about, because when we think about this, right, loving on people the importance of mm -hmm. loving on people and really be taking care when wanting to talk to our loved ones who may be using crystal meth. You have a section in here which specifically talks about language. You know, what yeah. the do what do's and don'ts, things to talk about. And the first thing you mentioned is that use words that convey respect and does not rob the person of their dignity and humanity. And that, I have seen that happen, you know, with folks where, you know, demeaning someone, treating them as different. And I think this section is so important, that idea of um, using language that anyone would want to have used if it was, you know, them you know, being communicated to. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the Harm Reduction Coalition because they shared with me um, and educated me on this language. You know, I um, don't come to this with any kind of personal story around drug use myself, um, and I'm not an expert in this field. Uh, so I was learning as I was developing this guide too. And, you know, I... We, I'm also very much in public health, and we use words like addict, mm -hmm. right, in our field pretty generally, you know, um, and maybe even derisively junky. Mm. You know, these are not, or, you know, these are not words that are going to endear you to, you know, if somebody, just think about somebody calling you an addict or a junkie. Mm. Does that make you want to listen to what they have to say? Does that right. make you open and receptive to their words? 
um, or their advice or anything they have to say. It, I mean, it closes the door and is the goal of the conversation. And that's what we, we keep reiterating. This is a conversation guide. This is to help guide and to have a conversation with someone you love about their drug use and what they can choose to do about it um, once they have more information. Your, your, your job is to provide that information. With that information, you know, and this is very similar to what we tell people in the HIV world. Your job is not to judge the sex that people are having. Mm. Your job is to provide information that they're and, and help people make an informed decision and hope that they'll make a decision that um, alleviates some of their vulnerabilities and increases some of their resiliencies and their strengths. Um, and so, yes, conveying word, words that convey respect. Um, you know, and again, we don't think about it because we think about interventions and but there's something very hierarchical that happens in interventions that is like, you know, which a lot of people who are substance users immediately respond to, right. like, which is that you're presenting yourself as having your stuff all together and I know things about you. How dare you? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, like, um, and so how do you avoid kind of creating a hierarchy or power dynamic in that conversation that makes it clear that you don't see yourself as anything but on equal footing with this person mm -hmm. and that you're just trying to be supportive and helping them consider other ways of viewing and other ways of being. Um, and that's really the best you can do and avoid distancing language like those people um, drawing unnecessary distinctions between one group over another, you know, um, you know, get void language that alludes to cleanliness. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we, we've tried this about this in HIV, getting clean, clean drug test, clean needle, all this cleanliness. Like you're, you're essentially calling that person dirty. Right. <laughs> like, Which again, is not true. Basic common respect. Right. Like, and, and, how would you feel if someone called party as part of a conversation where they're claiming to want to help and be supportive? Like that's, you know, some of this is common sense, but it still needs to um, words like addict, you know, someone who's a chronic or frequent user, um, someone who, you know, whose issue with or, or drug use may be a problem um, or have a problematic relationship with drugs. Uh, I think that those there's uh, better ways to talk about this, even with the person, um, you know, using words like poisoning yourself, mm. you know. Uh, yeah, again, a really savvy person could come up with all uh, lots of counters <laughs> for how so-called healthy poison themselves all the time you know uh crazy versus normal I, you, know, you know it's just we got to do better treat people how you want to be treated talk to them like you got sense and like you believe they have sense even if you don't feel good about the fact that they're engaging in drug use absolutely um, i have um so my question for you is um, what is your hope that um, will come? Well, I'm going to ask this in two ways. What is your hope that will come out of this conversation guide for our community? And what is your hope 
for um, kind of the greater community when we think of our organizations that service our community as well as even legislatively? Like what is your thought or your hope on both of those fronts? So my hope is that we stop acting like this is not an issue in the black gay community. Um, repeatedly, I've spent probably about a year now working on this issue, both locally here in Detroit, we've held a forum as Black Bear Brotherhood, supported by a counter-narrative project. Um, around crystal meth, we screened Party Boy, which is a film about Black gay men engaging in crystal meth use. Uh, and repeatedly, I get this, oh, is that our thing? Mm. I didn't know that was our issue. I didn't, you know, and then when I point out things like, well, have you seen the party hats and people's app? profiles have you seen the capital t have you heard have you seen pnp and then people like oh yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) you know and i i want us to get to a point you know because that's now been some years we've kind of acted like this is not our thing and it's been our thing for a minute um and so i would like us to have a new conversation about okay it's here what can we do about it um, I'm also not really interested in the gateway conversation because mm-hmm. there's been a conversation like, oh, we got that from the white gays, and if the black gays wasn't hang with the white gays, that bring it over to the black gays, we wouldn't have it. <laughs> you know, Ooh, like I'm gonna I'm I'm bring this in because this is important that you mention this. A question just came in from Jay Bernard. Thank you so much. And Jay Bernard asks, what are the culturally specific markers or issues that demarcate black gay or SGL men from why white queer men? Um, when it comes to issues of crystal meth addiction? Like... I think uh, openness. Mm-hmm. I think there's more of an openness. There's uh, not, that's not really the same level of shame and secrecy and um, discretion that you'll see in, among black gay men. This is much more stealth with us. Um and I think even in terms of like putting this guide together and looking at the resources that had already been out there, they cater to white gay men and kind of a very casual, almost satirically funny language around it, you know, like tweaking and, mm-hmm. um, and a little catty and, 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 and that's not going to fly <laughs> when you want to have a conversation with a broad range of black gay men around this issue. Um, and present this information to that community. Um, We're also just much more, I mean, for lots of historical reasons, not all of us, but many of us tend to be much more conservative Mm. about our public sex lives. Um, That's changing, you know, definitely see that with nudity and videos and et cetera on social media platforms, but, but I think there's still kind of like, you're not gonna be like, oh my God, girl, I'm about to go to this this uh, right. party play thing over the weekend and right. get smashed and you fuck you know, there's a sex party all weekend and we're gonna be high on meth or Tina. Like, you might do that maybe with other users, right? Right. <laughs> but but you wouldn't have that same kind of conversation with the broad black gay community. I think the white gay community is much more. Uh, open to even allowing that kind of casual conversation, even if they don't agree or support, you know, those people engaging in that use. Um, having been in black, white gay environments where it was much more ca- drug use, period, was much more casually discussed in an open way um, that I found kind of shocking right, right. <laughs> that I would not see in the black gay community. Wow. So. 
Um, I want to thank um, Art Jackson. Art Jackson just sent us a note. Thanks, Art, saying great conversation. And um, so I just wanted to bring that in as well. We were talking about this, um, well, two things. Uh, go ahead and make sure that if you haven't done so, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and also go ahead and hit the thumbs up button uh, for this particular video. And um, you can also download the guide. Um, you can download the guide as well at bit.ly forward slash can we talk CMP guide. You can also go ahead and watch the webinar um, where Michael talks about a lot of the technical aspects about the guide itself so that you can get more information. Um, just a note. We have also gone ahead and put the resources in the description. So if you are interested in resources, uh, we have gone ahead in the description of this video. There are some resources down there um, as well. Um, Michael, um, for me, it's important that we just continue this dialogue. Um, and to your point about talking about openness, like being able to, because one of the things you noted in terms of those things that demarcate like the differences uh, between our communities, like allowing our brothers to be able to talk to us, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Openly is such an important thing. And I do think that this guide gives us the tools to do that. So I just wanted to thank you again. No, I want to thank the Counter Narrative Project for the project itself. Um, I think it's necessary. I think it's, it's it's time for a new conversation. This guide provides us the tools to have a new conversation to help people. Um, and we do have a conversation about recovery. We do have a conversation in there about abstinence um, as another pathway. Um, even though the general push of the of the guide is to support. Um, people in learning how to have a harm reduction conversation with someone who's using that they love. Um, and I think that one of the things I would just encourage people is to be available mm. um, to the extent that they can. Obviously, we all have our limits, but to the extent that they can, to be available to people, um, the more the same thing I noticed in, in having worked in my community and lots of other issues, the more you engage somebody in a non-judgmental way, mm. the more they're willing to listen to you, the more they're willing to hear what you, what you have to say, the more you be present for them when they're having those lows and you don't judge them and you're just supportive and figuring out how you can help them in that moment, the more they are likely to uh, feel supported and make some other choices, make a healthier choice for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I would encourage people to do that. So, Michael, thank you so much um, for authoring this. I'm grateful that, you know, we were able to do this and the Counter Narrative Project is able to kind of bring this to the world. I do think it's just an important conversation. And for those who are watching this, the conversation, please don't let it stop with you watching this video. Take it into your families, take it to your families and friends and have this conversation. It is important and we need to have more of them. Um, so Michael, before we end, sure. something really cool just happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the Black Bear Brotherhood yes. is on the cover of Between the Lines, which is a you know Detroit, a Detroit Metro publication. Oh, statewide? I didn't even know that. Statewide yeah. publication and um, beautiful image. And I just wanted to go ahead and salute you and say thank you for all of the work that you are doing with the Black Bear Brotherhood as well. How does it feel to have the cover? 
Um, I'm I'm excited that we didn't know we were gonna get the cover. We knew we were gonna feature. Um, anytime I get to help support uh, brothers of size representing in a public way, we're on the cover in all of our bigness and color and glory. Um, this actually because we had been featured by Between the Lines a few other times for our community um, events that Counter Narrative Project has supported in the past, and I've always been the picture, I've always been the featured image. I actually was not in the picture for the cover. Um, and some people have asked me about that, and I'm like, no, it's, it's not It's not the Michael show. It's, you know, There's lots of people that make Black Bear Brotherhood happen. We have a whole board of eight other brothers beside myself, um, and volunteers, and people who are going to be there this Saturday. So come out this Saturday. We actually have a, our first annual picnic at Hotter in July. Turn the LGBT Detroit is hosting. Um, so you know, come join us. We're going to have food. We're going to have festivities. We're going to have games. Um, and that's just you know one more step uh, for making sure brothers of size within our community feel good, feel respected, feel represented, feel loved on, and have some place to go and be in fellowship with other brothers and people who love those brothers. Oh, amazing. Michael, yeah. thank you so much for joining us tonight for this show. If you are watching, go ahead and follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at Building Desire, on um, Instagram at The Counter Narrative, and on Facebook at Counter Narrative Project. You can go ahead and find us on our website at thecounternarrative.org and make sure that you go ahead and sign up for our mailing list. Do not leave this video without hitting the subscribe button as well as the thumbs up. And go ahead and share it with your family and friends. Um, keep this conversation going, everybody. We will see you for our next Revolutionary Health in two weeks. So we'll see you at the, uh, the, the first Wednesday in August. We'll see you soon. Have a great evening. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, everybody at Counter Narrative. <laughs> Thank you.